Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Moriardi, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. This week's episode of Dear Runner Bod is going to be fabulous, but before we dive in, I have some announcements for you. You know already, you know the drill. One of the announcements is the review of the week. The review of the week is when essentially you spend literally 30 seconds on Apple Podcasts, you scroll down, you see the place where it says leave a review, and you just type a little love note to me about how much you like my podcast. And what this is going to do is one, it almost guarantees, it it guarantees that you're going to win a free um, masterclass for me because I don't have enough reviews, just being honest, um, to make it so that the chance isn't literally 100% that you're going to win a free masterclass. So listen, you win something for free. That's pretty cool, right? But then I think the even more important thing that's happening here is that you're spreading the word, the dear runner bod message, which is that every runner who runs has a runner bod. And don't you want to be a part of that message spreading community? So please take the one minute and scroll down on Apple Podcasts and leave that review and you're going to win a prize. So this week's winner is underscore shiny 2012. And this person said so real. Serena is so relatable and vulnerable with sharing her experiences with running body image and food. Thank you, shiny for taking the time to leave that review. Please DM me at Serena Marie RD on Instagram or email me Serena at Serena Marie to choose the masterclass that you would like to claim um, as a thank you from me. So that is our first announcement. Our second announcement is also just as exciting. So you obviously are one of my internet besties. Like you're listening to this podcast and that means the world to me. And as a way of saying thank you, as a way of like kind of helping you to change your life and to really get the most out of the food freedom athlete experience, I wanted to give you um, a nice perk, a nice coupon to use to sign up for our next round of Food Freedom Runner Academy. So Food Freedom Runner Academy is actually um, jumping off uh, last week of November, November 27th. And I honestly think this is the best time of year to do Food Freedom Runner Academy because one, it's the holidays. I mean, wouldn't you like to go through the holidays and not feel stressed about the holiday cookies that are in the office 24 hours a day or, you know, the happy hour holiday get-togethers that are constantly happening during the month of December. So we are really going to learn not only how to set up a breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack plate to support having more energy and to support your performance and to support healthy hormones, but we're going to at the same time dive into any of the, you know, sneaky food rules, 
diet beliefs, weird things your mom told you about food in second grade that you subconsciously have been battling with every time you try to heal your relationship with your body and food. So it is going to be a game-changing, super-duper healing experience, and I would love for you to join us in our November group. Um, Not only are you getting a coupon code when you simply just DM me BODPOD, so DM me BODPOD. Pod, one word, two word, I don't care. And I'm going to know that you are looking to get the $100 off of your investment for Food Freedom Motor Academy uh, simply for being a podcast listener. Of course, before you sign up, we're going to chat, make sure you're a good fit, make sure that you um, are ready to join. You're just going to basically get some information um, when you send me that DM bod pod. Um, but the other thing I wanted to just let you know is that we're going to be raising the price in 2024. So this is not only you're getting the coupon, it's also the lowest investment, um, that, you know, you can ever sign up for dear, uh, for food freedom runner Academy. So definitely want to make sure you sign up before the price goes up next year. Um, and also, like I said, it's the holidays. A lot of times there's not as many like hardcore races happening, um, during the month of December, um, unless you're doing CIM. Um, so that's also great because I think we can really, spend a lot more of that time that we're dedicating to training. We kind of have that available to really spend on doing that deep inner work that's kind of um, going to come up naturally as we're in the Food Freedom Runner Academy um, container. So I invite you to just really kind of do something different um, for your training this upcoming year, which is really starting to battle those food demons in 2023 so that we can have, you know, your best race ever in 2024 that you have finally kind of faced the challenges of food restriction and are going to show up to the start line of your race, uh, knowing you are well fueled, uh, 365 days a year, not just like, you know, carb load week or peak week, but really kind of diving into making sure you're fueling adequately all year round. So, Thank you so much again, Shiny2012. Way to go with leaving that review. I appreciate you so very much. And as a reminder, if you were listening to this podcast before November 25th, uh, 2023, then you can DM me, BodPod, and we can chat about the next cohort of Food Freedom Runner Academy. I love chatting with therapists because whenever I chat with therapists, I learn something. I feel like therapists are just some of the most important people to kind of have in your life and have in your your toolbox of resources, especially if you are a woman runner who's on a journey to learn how to make peace with food and accept herself because a lot of times... um, All of our issues around, you know, exercise obsession, food obsession, negative self-talk around our body, it stems from this place of really trying to find control in your life over things that maybe feel out of control. And so today's guest, Sarah Strong, she is such an important um, resource for us as female runners to have in our toolbox. So Sarah Strong is a licensed clinical social worker and an accomplished ultra runner and a UESCA certified running coach at Microcosm Coaching. Known by her online moniker, The Trail Therapist, Sarah provides movement and trail-based therapy to athletes on Colorado's front range and performance coaching to runners worldwide. 
wide. The conversation is so awesome. I think you're really going to walk away or run away with some amazing tips and tricks about how to kind of channel some compassion and kindness um, in your own journey as you're kind of learning how to challenge negative self-talk and body image issues and food issues. So I'm super excited for you to dive into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Dear Runner Bod. Today we are diving into all of my favorite things because we have Sarah here, the trail therapist, who not only is a runner herself, but also specializes in mental health. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. Yes, I'm so excited. So I know we have a special topic picked out. We're going to talk all about how to make sure that we are treating our brain with the respect that it deserves. Um, But before we dive into that conversation, I'm kind of curious about your um your story you know were you a runner before you were um a mental health counselor were you a coach first like can you tell us a little bit about how you found um community in either running or mental health how you kind of married those two things together yeah that's a great question so i kind of ran you know i've i've been like a lifelong runner but i wasn't into running when I was younger. It was like the thing that I did because I couldn't throw or kick and I wanted to be part of a team. And so very much my cross-country teammates being part of um, a team growing up was really much more what is about for me than running. Um, And then I kind of off and on was a runner. And then after I had my kiddos um, and I really needed to just find my own time out of the house um, really feel connected to myself and and all of the ways that I was some somebody else in addition to just being a mother. Um, and so I found, again, a group of women um, and ran with them. And it was really awesome because these women would like plot along with me on these short, slow runs that we do as a group on Saturdays. And they would be talking about these really inspiring goals. People are training for Ironman. Tra- people are training for 50-mile races. And I'm like, well, you know, here they're doing this. They don't have to run fast. They don't have to, every workout doesn't have to be this huge thing. They can just like do these chill Saturday workouts and also chase big goals. And so it was really, you know, being inspired by them, them believing in me that, that helped me do those things. And so while that was happening, I was also a therapist. Um, and, um, they were sort of simultaneous because I got my degree, my license, I got my social work degree, um, two days after my, um, first son was born. So they really were like like all the things. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I did, um, I did, so I was a therapist, I was running and then I, um, came on as a coach and have just been coaching the last few years. So that's been the last addition. Um, but it's a really great way to do all the things that I love to do. I mean, it's a very natural thing. I think for a therapist to also be a coach, (laughs) there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah. You know, I think the part of the story that I love the most is um, the fact that you kind of pointed out that you were with this group of women who maybe weren't running the fastest or whatever, but you were so inspired by them. And I think that's just like um, such a powerful message for everyone listening here. Like you are inspiring. You know, so often people will work with me and they're like, oh, but I'm a back of the pack. I'm slow. Like it's like, hey, shut up. You're still inspiring, right? And so I love that you weren't even trying to teach a lesson there, but like you just kind of threw it out there. We are all inspiring because we run. That's a pretty cool little lesson to throw in there with your intro. Absolutely. And I and just that community, like the the um 
yeah, they made it really accessible was one part. Like I think that piece, like it is, it's so nice to have people who aren't making every run like cutthroat or showing off, you know, we're just here to enjoy our time. And that made it really accessible. And I felt genuinely supported in my own goals because I was genuinely excited in their goals, right? We're training together. You're watching them dig into that. They're um, reflecting that back to me when I'm doing it. And so I just, yeah. Nothing like community, especially a community of women, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in your practice, Sarah, do you primarily work with runners now, like female runners, or is it a mixed bag? I mostly work with runners, um, but I would say I actually mostly work – it's almost 50-50, maybe a little actually extra men. I Because I do um, movement-based therapy, I do my tri- my therapy out on the trails. We're hiking and moving, and I think – that's really nice um, for everybody, but men tend to especially feel more comfortable expressing their emotions when they can be moving side by side next to you as opposed to sitting across from you in a chair. So um, yeah, I mostly work with runners, but I, I work with everybody. Wow, that's really, really cool. Okay, I didn't know that. So that was kind of just for my own curiosity. Um, okay, so as a therapist, as a runner. Um, Clearly, you are using movement as part of your practice. And I know um, Sarah kind of DM'd me and she was like, I really want to talk about how the brain is a body part. Like, I could talk about that for the rest of my life. And I was like, okay, like, she is so excited. Clearly, we got to let the lady speak to us. So, So Sarah, why do you think we even need to point out to people that the brain is a body part? Like, why is that not so obvious to us to begin with? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. You know, I (laughs) So I like to think about it. We kind of understand sort of instinctively that like right now I might be healthy and that there are things that I can do to take care of my health. You know, I can um, do some like everyday things, eating well, exercising, sleeping well. If I know I'm getting run down, I can take some vitamin C or rest extra or whatever. Um, And I also know that at any point I might be unwell. I could have a week where I'm not feeling well. I could get sick for any reason or maybe some combination of genetics and environment, I could get a chronic illness at some point. And we sort of know that our health, even when we have it in the moment, it can change. But we think of mental health as like an on and off switch. There are people who are mentally ill, and then there are people who aren't. And if we are in a place where we're thriving and we're feeling good, it is hard to remember that that can change that any number of environmental factors or genetic factors can come together at some point and just maybe give us a rough week, maybe give us a rough season, maybe give us something that we're going to struggle with for a long time. And even if we have one of those things, we're in a rough season, we still move along sort of the this, this spectrum towards thriving or towards illness. We're never like in one place. And I think that if we can think about our brain the way we think about the rest of our body as something that even when it's healthy, that that can change and we need to take care of it and prioritize it. You know, it A, reduces the stigma that we have around, oh no, I feel, I feel mentally like I'm, you know, unwell. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling these things. There's stigma around that. Where if you catch a cold, well, that's, that can happen, right? Our body changes. And so we don't feel stigma around it. So one, I think that if we just recognize everybody has mental health, just like we all have health, and that it will change, our, our st- mental health status will change throughout time. I think we can reduce the stigma and I think we can empower people to um, take control of their mental health and to really be thoughtful about 
just the same way that we're thoughtful about the way we take care of our body. Yeah, I can't prevent everything. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do the things I can do to make sure I'm healthy. So we want to think of our brain in really that same way. Right. So it's just kind of almost like normalizing the fact that we all have brains and therefore we all can expect that we're going to have these seasons where we're sadder, we're depressed, or we're more anxious. And like you're saying, that doesn't make you an oddball that you're you're experiencing that. That's kind of why we want to start thinking about the brain as a body part that we all have. We all share these seasons of life. 100%. And we, and we want to recognize when those things are changing, right? We kind of know when we're starting to get run down and feel maybe a cold's coming on. How does our body communicate with us that our mental health maybe is impacted? And, and, and we think about running, right? Running can be very good for our physical health. There are a million reasons why we run to take care of our physical health, but you running can hurt your physical health. You can get injured. You can have overtraining syndrome. You can have red S. If you're not meeting running with right the right rest, the right nutrients, it isn't good for your physical health. And the same is true for our mental health. And I think the conversation gets really limited on running is good for your mental health. And it's like, well, it can be, and we have to be aware of when it's not. So so would you say, and I don't I don't know if this question doesn't actually have an answer here, but are runners like more likely to have better mental health because they are out in nature or moving their body? Or is it really like completely random? Like, no, like there's not necessarily correlation between these things. So so running is really good for mental health. Running can really help somebody with mental health and the same prevalence of mental illness that exists in the non-athlete population exists in the athlete population. So athletes can get depressed the same way that non-athletes can get depressed. So yes, running can help um, reduce some of the symptoms, but it cannot guarantee that you're not going to get depressed. And I think something that I see as a struggle is people almost think it's like a personal failure if they can't run themselves away from depression, right? Or if they can't manage their um, mental illness just through running. Or they And I think the same way, well, you can have a great diet, you can still get a cold, right? Like that doesn't mean you have failed in terms of taking care of your body. It just means that things happen. Um, so, so one is, yes, that same prevalence exists. And two is there are actually increased risk factors around overtraining syndrome, exercise dependency, um, and eating disorders um, that, you know, do happen, especially in a, the elite athlete population. So I think it's important to say, yeah, I mean, yes, please run. If it feels good, run. And really be honest with yourself. You know, does it feel good in the moment, but actually you can't sleep later because you ran too close to bedtime and your cortisol is really high? Or is it actually you're feeling really competitive with your friends and you're not able to um, enjoy your runs like you used to? And so when those things are happening, um, we really want to say, just be aware of that. Be honest with yourself about what that relationship looks like. I, I'm really – so I, I honestly, and I asked that question and I didn't know the answer to it. And I'm actually really almost happy to hear that that incidence of, of mental health can be just as prominent in athletes as non-athletes because I – and I'm going to like raise my hand here. Like I do feel 
this almost like guilt or shame that I am like, I just know like this is the way I'm wired. Like I'm like a more anxious person. And I do kind of get down on myself sometimes um, that I experience that this anxiety when I'm taking all of this time and it's such a high priority for me to get outside and to run, right? And so it feels kind of like validating to know that maybe that's just outside of my control. So so Sarah, I'm wondering like, is there a way for you to kind of know when you need that extra TLC and you need that extra help and support um, in terms of like your mental health is maybe taking a turn for the worst? Yeah, so I think there are a number of things to pay attention to. So we have some physiological signs and symptoms, things like um, difficulty sleeping or any sort of changes in sleep. So maybe you're sleeping much more than normal or you're not feeling rested after a full night's sleep. Um, Things like irritability, um, sort of like a short fuse, um, really like the common signs that you think of with stress. Um, even things like um, stomach distress, right? You have more GI issues when you're running sort of thing. Um, And then I think the other things are like, just you're paying attention to how do I feel about running? Do I have less motivation to do it? Do I feel like I have to do it and I'm not even looking forward to this run? Um, Do I, um, what are some, uh, do I feel... The only way I feel good is if I run. So mm-hmm. if there's nothing else that can make me feel good and I have to run in order to feel good, that's a sign, hey, we've got all of our eggs in one basket here. What if you get injured? What if there's some other reason that you're not able to run, right? We want to have a more diverse set of coping skills or a more diverse um self-care plan to make sure that we're A, taking care of all parts of ourself and B, not totally dependent on one tool that we could lose access to at any point. Yeah. I So I, I think I can like relate to all of this so, so much. And I, I'm just wondering, I guess, like if you're sitting there and you're kind of having that realization as you're listening to this podcast and you're, you're like, oh my goodness, like, wait a second, this, this is me. Like I am relating to this idea that maybe I am using running as my soul coping skill for all of the things that I'm managing in life. Like, how do we get to this place where we feel okay with maybe cutting back on running or do you stop running? Like, how do you, like, if somebody is kind of raising their hand right now and they're like, wait a second, I think I am needing this extra support, Sarah. Like, how do we kind of give them that um, boost or encouragement to what do they do next? Like, what do they do if they're realizing like, this is me? Yeah. So I think there's a big spectrum of different things. So if we're hearing, if you're hearing this and you're like, it's actually been weeks since I've been able to sleep well, and I've been super irritated for a long time and every run feels like stress. I'm going to say, Hey, let's maybe, if you have a coach loop in your coach, maybe loop in a mental health professional things, especially those physiological things that are happening for more than a few weeks that you're trying to address and you can't, that's really a sign, hey, I need to loop somebody else in here. If, on the other hand, you're like, well, I feel pretty good in my day-to-day, but like, hey, I am kind of worried that um, I'm too focused just on running, then you can think about some different domains of self-care, some other parts. So like, how are your social needs being met? And are all of your friends runners? 
And do you only socialize on your long runs on Saturdays or with your running friends? Again, we worry about that injury piece, right? How do you have social relationships outside of running? Um, how are you um, processing emotions other than through runs, right? So if we only go on runs to get through those tough days, can you journal? Can you talk to a friend? Um, go to a therapist. Um, so definitely processing emotions, expressing a number of emotions is good. So if we run as a way to not feel sad or we run as a way to not feel anger or stress and then we run and then we say, I feel better now, but we actually haven't done anything with that emotion. That emotion has is going to come up later. So I think it's really thinking about, am I using running for everything? And yeah, are there other ways that I could be helping myself? Is there a truth to this idea that if you don't like process an emotion, deal with an emotion, I've heard like it almost gets like stuck in your body and how that can kind of lead to other like health issues. Is there any truth to that? Yes, it's 100% true. So um, the, the phrase that we say in therapy is feel your feelings. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really important. We tend to stuff things out, even in the running world, right? No pain, no gain. And um, if you are, you feel discomfort, we just push through it, right? That's sort of the idea. Um, and with feelings, I love this analogy. The woman who wrote, um, I'm not going to know her name, but she wrote this book um, called like Unf Your Brain uh, is the name of the book. Like uh -huh. it's not PG uh, language, um, but she has a great um, visual of a beach ball. And you imagine yourself, um, if you have a big feeling that you're not talking about, you're pushing this beach ball under the water. And you can do that. If you spend all your energy and you're really focused on a beach ball, you can keep it down underwater. But the second something distracts you and you turn away, that beach ball pops up and hits you in the face. And she's, that's a feeling that you have pushed down, right? And it takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort to not think about that feeling and to avoid that feeling because that feeling is asking for you to pay attention to it. And it take, it's exhausting to not deal with the feeling. And eventually it's going to come up. And whether that means you get an injury, you get burnout, you get to this place where you have no choice but to take rest, or, you know, it comes up in some other way, you're yelling at somebody or you're crying, you know, unexpectedly when you don't want to. So certainly emotions are asking for our attention. Is that Kara Lowenthal? Do you know? I don't know. I don't oh, know. Okay. I'm There's so a podcast bad. I listen to and okay. it's the host is Kara Lowenthal and her podcast is on F Your Brain. Um, I'm sure it's her. Yeah. But I don't know if she wrote a book, so I'm not sure. But okay. that's that's so interesting. Okay. So I, I love the fact that I think what for me at least, I feel like it's not tangible, right? It's kind of like this like very like um, nebulous, like, oh, I'm I'm in a bad mood. Like I can just like trick myself into be happy again and like go running, right? And and I, you know, I have now been in this mental health space for a long time. So I no longer believe these things, but it's very easy for me to like remember those days when that is how I felt and kind of dealt with emotion was just kind of trying to either binge eat it away or run away from it, all of, all of the unhealthy coping skills essentially. Um, and so I think it's really important for us as runners to note that there are true physiological consequences, right? Like I I, I think it, it 
feels like this very untangible, nebulous thing, but it does have real true health consequences. So Sarah, thank you for kind of like pointing that out, that we actually, we have to deal with our humanness. We have to deal with our emotions. And I wonder, Sarah, do you find in your practice Um, are there any like kind of issues with identity? I know in my practice, I notice a lot of runners have this very runner, runner identity and they kind of tie it with certain practices. And as you're kind of describing this, like running is all my social life. Running is how I, you know, deal with emotions. Like I almost wonder if asking people to use different coping skills, does it ever challenge their identity as a runner? Do you struggle with that at all in your practice? Absolutely. And I, and I think, but like that is always a indication to me that we have, that we've got a lot to work on because if somebody um, feels threatened by their whole identity, because we are um, diversifying it or, you know, encouraging them to do more than just one thing, like that tells me all of their identities wrapped up in a single thing. And none of us, I mean, that's not good for anybody in anything. The idea of being all in, it's like, it's romanticized, I think. But when we look at sustainable, you know, long-term athletic success, we are talking about people who um, are very dedicated and are taking care of all parts of themselves and are celebrating all parts of themselves. So I love when a runner is super dedicated to their training and plays in a band or, you know, also is really into their work that they do or has other hobbies or focuses on their relationships. And um, I just think that uh, there's a concept that I've heard from Addie Bracey, who is a an ultra runner who is also a sports psychologist. And she talks about your identity pie. So if you think of like a pie chart, you know, with your, if you've got one slice the whole pie is runner and something impacts that identity. Perhaps you didn't perform as well as you wanted to at a race. Perhaps you're injured and for, you know, pregnancy and being postpartum, like those things can really impact your relationship with running. Um, And if, and especially if your identity has been very strongly correlated to your success in running, if let's say you plateau or you have some of the natural ebbs and flows that we do, um, it can really impact your full identity. But if running is just one part of your pie and you have all of these other parts of your pie that make you up and make you feel good about yourself and show your strengths, then if that running piece is impacted, it's not so hard to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so funny how it overlaps, but I, I see that in my my practice as well when I'm working with disordered eating and eating disorder. It's this idea that I need to and, – and like you were saying, like especially when it comes to the quote-unquote successes, right? Like it's really easy for our ego to kind of um, play into this idea of like my identity as a runner means I look a certain way and I PR a certain amount of times a year and I run a certain amount of miles, but life is – like life is not always setting us up for all of these, like, you know, all these really like ego feeding successes, right? Like, like we started this conversation by saying, I was so excited to hear you saying, I'm inspired by my running group that was just like kind of trotting along and not setting those super like, you know, marketable, sexy goals. Like that's really like a healthy way to have a, a relationship with your body and with your identity as a runner. So 
um, yeah, I, I, I see the overlap so much. So Sarah, like I'm kind of thinking to myself now, okay, brain is a body part. So if I'm, whether I'm sitting here and really identifying that I think my brain does need the extra TLC and support, or maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I want to make sure I don't accidentally steer myself off the deep end. Um, how do we kind of you know, set ourselves up for success here with taking care of our brain, knowing that we all do love to run. Like there can be that slippery slope here. I think the absolute best skill for any runner is self-awareness, um, which I think is best develop, developed through a mindfulness or stillness practice. Um, so I really encourage mindfulness and that because these questions are so nuanced and they really differ from person to person. And at the end of the day, knowing whether you need to rest or stress your body starts with what you know about your body. So your body is telling you how it's feeling. It's sending those those feelings that we talked about earlier. That's information from your body. Um, those physiological things that are happening and an inability to sleep moodiness, those are signs from your body. Um, but those are like 10 out of 10 signs. Those are like, I am at my limit. And now these signs are like flashing red lights, right? And what we would love to do is get to a place where there are subtle changes and we address very early on, oh, I'm starting to get stressed. I can tell because you know, I mean, something very simple. Um, I'm a little bit more tired when I wake up. Maybe I should go to bed a few minutes earlier this week, right? So the more we are able to develop that awareness of our body's own communication, um, the better we're going to be able to respond to it and to meet our own needs. So I would say first, really prioritize mindfulness. And then um, I would say you don't have to jump into like not running, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just about like maybe you run the lower end of a range if your coach is giving you a range. You know, it doesn't always have to be the top end of the range. It doesn't always have to be your and it shouldn't always be your fastest run. I hope you are all doing easy miles 80% of the time, um, which helps with your mental health. It doesn't always also, it doesn't only really, really help your running, which it does, but it really helps your mental health because cortisol. Um, and adrenaline, which are stress hormones, are produced through running, but we get more of them the harder and longer we run. So if you are running shorter distances or running with less intensity, that's going to help make your runs um, mostly positive and not producing too much cortisol. I love that you are a mental health expert and a running coach because I'm like, yeah, guys, listen to her. <laughs> you know, like you know exactly what you're talking about. I, I love that so much. What a cool like one-two punch there. Um, so this first kind of recommendation to build this, this mindfulness and stillness practice, can you tell me a little bit about what does that mean? Is that meditation? Like how do we do that? Great question. So um, meditation is sort of what comes to mind. It is um, uh, what, yes, meditation is a mindfulness practice. It's certainly an accessible one in that um, 
there's a lot of information about it. Um, but it doesn't have to be so scary. I think a lot of times when we think of meditation, we think of stillness, we think sterile, we think long stretches of time, um, and that feels intimidating and it can keep us from even considering a mindfulness practice. But mindfulness at its absolute core is paying attention without judgment in the present moment. So you are just noticing. So the idea is in where to get, for example, would be you're, you're feeling angry, but in, from a mindful place, you notice that you are having the experience of anger, but you're not overcome with the anger, right? And so to build up that skill, you are just spending a couple minutes at a time focused on the present moment. So things that can be really helpful would be like having a cup of coffee in your morning and spending a couple minutes fully focused on the experience of the smells, the flavors, the sensation of the um, coffee in your mouth, going down your throat as it warms your belly and just really being focused on that moment and not having judgment, not even thinking like, this is nice that I'm having this quiet morning, which is actually assigning a value to the experience. Mm -hmm. Instead, it is, this is warm. This is hot, 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 right? <laughs> like this is tasty, whatever it is. Um, and you're just noticing. And so that would be a, a, an easy way to incorporate it into your day. Um, but I really encourage, um, there are lots of apps out there. You can do like a week free and um, there are even apps that are like always free because it's a hard skill and guided visualizations, guided mindfulness exercises can make it really um, accessible. And I also think doing mindfulness while you're running or out walking. And so that could be something as simple as you're going to spend two to three minutes of your run where you are only paying attention to the pattern of your footsteps on the ground or to the pattern of your breath. And so that is present moment. You're not thinking about anything else, um, really helping with that mind-body connection. Uh, and it's doing something you're already doing. So you don't have to make extra time for it. I'm obsessed with that last one. That is so good because we're all going to be running anyway. And so we might as well just integrate that into our practice. Um, I love that. You know, it's funny because as you're describing the self-awareness piece, you had a reel that I thought was so clever. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but you were like, what if there was a tool that like could help you learn X, Y, Z about your body? And I remember I clicked on the caption because I was like, oh, what is this tool? And you're like, it's your body. And I was like, uh-huh. Yes, it is your body. Like she totally fooled me there. But it's it's such a wealth of knowledge when you're actually keying in and paying attention. Absolutely. And and I would say of all of the parts of your body that are best to develop self-awareness around, it's your nervous system. Um, and mindfulness will not only help you get that information from your nervous system, um, which is helping you understand what the dangers are in your environment. Um, it often is misinterpreting what the dangers are in your environment. And so mindfulness gives you the power to then respond to your nervous system and help your nervous system regulate. So you talk about anxiety. So essentially anxiety is your nervous system is on high alert and it sees a lot of potential dangers and things that might not actually be dangerous. And when you really practice mindfulness, you're able to say, oh, my body feels in danger and 
thanks body, but that's not a danger and that's not a danger and that's not a danger. And then you can actually calm your body down. So it's both getting the information and you have the ability then to do very little. You're not, you're, you're, you don't have to change your reality. You're just changing the way that you're looking at it. Yeah. I feel like the trickiest thing with this, um, at least with the people I work with especially, is a lot of this stuff that you're describing where it's about, like you were saying, like when you get to the point where you are irritable and not sleeping, like you are the 10 out of 10, like distress signal is on. And what we're trying to do is cultivate this practice where our body doesn't have to get so distraught before we start listening. And I think, unfortunately, in our culture, there's this idea that burning the candle at both ends and pushing through the pain, and I know you had addressed this earlier on in, in the episode, um, but I guess if we could just like like kind of revisit that again, if someone's sitting here and is just feeling really conflicted, like, wait, I, I know that you know, I probably could take more rest days or I could take it easier on myself, but then I'm afraid I'm not going to, you know, achieve as great of a goal as I want to achieve. Like, is there any like way that we could kind of like hold their hand right now and give them like a little um, assistance to kind of take the leap of faith to start practicing the self-awareness um, tools that you provided in today's episode? I think there are two so I'll talk to the two different people out there. <laughs> so there's one group who just needs to hear the permission that you just can take care of yourself and that you deserve to, to, you deserve to rest because you deserve to rest because you are a human being who is worthy of all of the things and you are doing so much for so many others and that is okay, right? It's okay to not go, 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 go. And then there's the people who need to know that this actually helps your performance. So there are people who are like, well, I'm not going to rest or take care of my mental health because um, growth comes from exhaustion or something to that effect. And to those folks, I say, we have so much science out there now to tell us that that is not true. Rest is actually where adaptations take hold. So your all of the stress that you put your body under will do nothing if you do not rest and sleep enough to actually let things build back up in the middle of the night. So you can kind of imagine, you know, rest, or if you stress something and stress something and stress something and stress something, it's just broken down. You take this broken down thing and you stress it again and you're just breaking it down more. But if you stress and rest, then it comes back a little stronger. And then you stress it again. And then you rest it again, and now it's a little bit stronger. And you keep doing that, and you get to a place of strength, as opposed to getting to a start of the line where your body is just totally depleted because you've stressed and stressed and stressed and stressed. So, and it's not just physical rest. I mean, all of these things, emotional rest, social rest, all of that stuff is part of it. And you want to get... You want to get to the start line is an amazing place as you can. You know, I always hear from people like, wow, I was able to crush that race even on this few calories and this little sleep and this crazy training. And it's like, well, that's cool. But gosh, imagine what you could have done if you had trained smart, rested, taken care of your mental health and fed your body. Like what would your body have been able to do that day, right? And I really believe when we care for our bodies that – they will, they're able to show up on race day with a lot more in them. 
I, I love that. Thank you so much. I think that is really like hits it out of the, the park where it's like you think one thing because society has conditioned you to think that, but we have here an expert telling you that it's actually just harming yourself and you're really not achieving any of your goals um, by kind of ignoring your body and beating her into submission. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for this conversation. I always like to ask every guest of the pod um, why you love your body. Do you mind sharing with us? Why do you love your body, Sarah? Um, my body grew and birthed two amazing humans and has run hundreds, a hundred miles multiple times and just has, yeah, when I have cared for her and loved her and appreciated her and seen her value, she has shown up for me and, and like helped me realize things about myself I never thought possible. And so, yeah, when I trust her, she shows up for sure. I love that. That is a really, really good answer. Um, Sarah, how can the people find you if they want to work with you, if they want to follow you on Instagram? Tell us all the ways that we can get in touch with you. Yeah. If you go to Instagram, I'm the trail therapist, the underscore trail underscore therapist. Um, and then the trailtherapist.com. You can connect with me for therapy. If you're in Colorado, um, for sports performance coaching, I've also got some workbooks on race prep and, um, finding your values and overcoming your fears and those sorts of things. Um, and then if you are looking for a running coach who specializes in mental health, you can find me at microcosm coaching. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.